Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Meet them, greet them, treat them, and street them. Today's date is December 12, 2023, and I'm your skeptical host, Cadden Milne. The title of today's podcast is Doctor, Doctor, We Need More Family Doctors. And our guest skeptic is Dr. Mahale Kumanen. She is currently the president in the Ontario College of Family Medicine. She attended Dalhousie University for her undergraduate studies a master's in health administration degree, and medical school before completing her residency at the University of Western Ontario. Welcome to the SGEM. Thanks, Ken. Uh, It's so nice to be here with you today. Well, reading your intro, I noticed that you went to the University of Western Ontario. So that dates you a bit because I too went to the University of Western Ontario, which a number of years ago was rebranded as Western University. But you're still purple and proud, right? <laughs> Absolutely, I am. Yeah, so um, uh, I'm not going to date you, but I'll date myself. I started there at Western in 1986, and I went back to school this year in 2023, and they gave me my same student number. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That is, that is. It, it's crazy that they still had my sta- student number. But I think it's even more crazy that I still remembered my student number, my seven-digit code or whatever. And, you know, I'm having a hard time remembering what I did yesterday, but I still remember that, that student number they gave me way back in September of, 20, or of uh, 1986. It's amazing how our memories work, isn't it? Yes. That, that one stuck with you, did it? It really did. Well, you know, it's been an interesting couple of months, hasn't it? The College of Family Physicians of Canada, or the CFPC, in September widely communicated that they were going to implement an additional year of training for family medicine residents. Now, there was an outcry, at least I would describe it as an outcry, from individuals and organizations, including the Society of Rural Physicians of Canada, the Resident Society, the Ontario Medical Association, and even a unanimous message from the ministers of health asking the CFPC to pause and reconsider. And this included a statement from your organization, the OCFP. Yeah, it it has been an interesting couple of months. And you are right. Uh, The OCFP sent a letter to the CFPC about this issue. Um, Just following the CFPC's annual member meeting in early November, and our letter is posted on our website for those who'd like to read it. But essentially, after the CFPC's annual members meeting, it was very clear to the OCFP board of directors just how strongly our members felt about the third year, um, and particularly around the possible impact that it could have on our profession and our patients. And we very much value our members' perspectives. So we ultimately asked the CFPC to pause their plans for a third year in order to allow time for meaningful engagement with membership. Yeah, and to its credit, the CFPC listened, reflected, and responded in a very appropriate way. The CFPC president, Dr. Mike Green, apologized, I think, for the process and announced they are not implementing an additional year of training. This took a great deal of insight and humility. So well done, CFPC. What were your thoughts? I think it was the right thing to do. Um, And the CFPC Board of Directors 
did make a commitment to carry out a full review of the organization, including considering ways in which they can meaningfully address the member motions on transparency. And they also promised collaboration with members, chapters, and partners. Um, So definitely some positive steps here. I think we can all agree that family medicine is an incredibly challenging profession, and we know that residency is such an important time for us to learn the skills that we need to practice as family physicians. But given the current crisis in family medicine, I think it's absolutely the right thing to take the time needed to review whether a third year is the right thing for us and our profession at this time. You know, the process, you know, while it may have had some missteps and how they communicated what they were going to do, there were some issues with that as well. But at the end of the day, who hasn't made errors or mistakes? And I'm more concerned about what we do about them. And once they're brought to our attention, or maybe mistakes weren't even made, but new information became available. And as a scientist, you know, when I'm presented with new data that's convincing data, followed by logical arguments, the appropriate thing to do is to change your position or reevaluate what you felt was true. So again, I really think they did a good job at that. Um, But now it's time to roll up our sleeves and address the immediate issues within family practice. And I know some SGEM listeners may be going, Ken, why are you talking about, why are you talking about family medicine on an, an emergency medicine podcast? Well, if you've listened long enough, you know that we're all on team patient and family medicine is the foundation of healthcare. Without strong primary care, patients will eventually end up in the emergency department. And I suspect Ontario is not the only province and Canada is not the only country struggling with these problems. So what is the OCFP prioritizing to address the challenges that are being faced in family medicine? Yeah, thank you for that question, Ken. You know, I'll start by reiterating one of the points you just made. Um, We know that family medicine is the foundation of the healthcare system. And without that strong foundation, patients do eventually end up in the emergency room. And ultimately, we see crumbling of our whole system overall. Um, Now, you would have seen just last week, the Ontario's Acting Auditor General released his annual report, and he found that one in five patients who had access care from the emergency room could have actually received care from a family physician instead. And and we know that our unattached patients who don't have family physicians are much more likely to access care from the emergency room, which is ultimately a very costly and inefficient way to be receiving primary care. And when we look at the numbers, we see that as of September 2022, data from Inspire Primary Healthcare shows that 2.3 million Ontarians were without a family physician at that time. And what's really concerning is that number is up from 1.8 million in March 2020 and 1.6 million in 2018. So I think we have to really um, stop and be aware that, you know, what that tells us is a number of Ontarians who don't have a family physician is increasing at quite an alarming rate. Our research also shows that 1.74 million Ontarians have a family physician who's likely approaching retirement. And to compound that, the Inspire team's data also shows a very clear downwards trend in the number of family physicians who are practicing comprehensive family medicine. And when we look at the data, what we see is in 2008, 
77% of family physicians in Ontario were spending the majority of their time practicing comprehensive care. But by 2022, the number of family physicians who were providing comprehensive care had declined to about 65%. So quite a significant decline. And what we see from the data is that family physicians across all ages and career stages are choosing to move away from comprehensive family medicine. And I think we know that this is all happening at a time when we're seeing the proportion of medical school graduates who are choosing to pursue family medicine is the lowest it's been in 15 years. So all that to say, ultimately, I think what we can draw from this is that without urgent action from our provincial government, the number of Ontarians without a family physician will continue to grow. Wow. I mean, I need to unpack some of that. There were some really scary statistics, and I'm, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. I like looking into the methods section and following the numbers and the statistics and things like that. But you use the M word multiple times, millions. We're talking about millions of people without access to one of the most fundamental things in life, access to primary health care having a family physician, to follow them longitudinally through their journey. And you said it shows nearly 2.3 million Ontarians are without a family doctor. Those are really scary numbers. What's this mean for the future? Yeah, it, it absolutely is is quite worrisome. And, and I think, you know, we know we're already facing a crisis in primary care. And unfortunately, with the data I've outlined, and and when we consider anticipated population growth, um, the Ontario College of Family Physicians is forecasting that by the time we get to 2026, in the absence of urgent action from our provincial government, we'll actually be seeing about 4.4 million Ontarians who may be without a family physician at that time. And that would essentially be one in four Ontarians without a family physician in just three years. So, you know, we know that family physicians are the front door to our healthcare system. And when we have such a large number of Ontarians who don't have access to a family physician, we see a number of issues. So I think the first is we see people who are then going to things like walk-in clinics and emergency rooms for non-emergency care. We see things like patients missing preventative screening tests like mammograms, colon cancer screening. So things like cancers may go undetected. And then we, we see patients who just don't have access to routine care for things like chronic disease management, um, childhood vaccines. So these important opportunities will be missed. And, and ultimately what this means is poorer health outcomes for those without a family physician and an increased costs for our system overall. Wow. This is a really uplifting uh, show. That's sarcasm, by the way. One in four, 4.4 million or 25% of Ontarians by 2026. And, and here we are, we're just about to flip over into 2024. So that's just a couple of years away. One of the things I think that Ontarians and Canadians pride themselves on is health equity and that you should be getting care based upon your need not upon uh, your ability to have a family doctor, shall shall we say. And so we'll have more haves and have-nots. And those have-nots have to go to places like walk-in clinics. And it's, I don't want to disparage walk-in clinics because they're providing care or going to emergency departments where I spend most of my time. And again, I'm not going to disparage my emergency medicine colleagues. 
But that's not primary care. That's not longitudinal, comprehensive family medicine. That's, you know, being Band-Aids um, for problems. And, and we need solutions that involve making sure that everyone has access to a family physician. So come on, you got to give me some solutions here. You can't leave. I, I, I feel like this, this show is going on a downward trend. Let's lift it up. Give me some solutions. Thank you. And, and I think it's really important for us to acknowledge the inequity of the current situation. We know this is a really significant issue in our healthcare system and, and very, very concerning, but we do have solutions. So I'll start by saying that recruitment and retention really are key right now. We need to do everything that we can to make our profession more attractive to new graduates. And we also need to look at how we can best support our practicing family physicians so that we can retain them in that comprehensive care um, model that they're working in and ultimately help to build capacity across the system. So what we're advocating for is that every family physician in Ontario and therefore their patients have access to team-based care. And the, the other issue that we see from our member research is that family physicians in Ontario spend over 19 hours per week on administrative work. And we know family physicians want to be able to spend our time doing the most meaningful work for us and work that has the biggest impact, which is ultimately spending that one-on-one -on -one time with our patients providing care. So we absolutely have to look at ways to reduce that administrative burden and build in the right supports for family physicians. And if we can make these two significant changes, that would help to recruit and retain more family physicians across the province to help us to ensure that every Ontarian has access to a family physician. All right. I think I heard three solutions in there. I really like the R&R, &R, the recruitment and retention, especially that second R being in the latter part of my career, retaining. Uh, but I also heard um, you mentioned team-based care. And of course, I'm all about team patient. And then the other thing you talked about was the administrative burden. So I think it would be helpful if we sort of unpacked or dug into each of those solutions a bit. Now, the first one that I want to go through is to ensure that every Ontarian has a family doctor working in a team environment so patients get, can get the help they need from the right clinician at the right time. Uh, can you expand on that? Sure. Yeah. So, so as it stands, we see fewer than 30% of family physicians working in a team-based care model in this province. And what we know is that Ontarians who have a family physician who work in teams ultimately have greater access to care from a range of providers because their family doctors are supported by other health professionals like nurses, pharmacists, dietitians, social workers, and many others. And what we know is when you have access to a team of healthcare providers led by a family physician, it means that those patients are able to get the right care from the right provider at the right time. And it also frees up time for those family physicians to focus on the patients who most need our clinical expertise. Now, earlier this year, we heard from our provincial government a commitment of $30 million for um, expanding primary care teams, but we haven't heard where those teams will be. So we are encouraging the, our Ontario government to move forward on this announcement. And we are calling on our government to ensure every family physician, regardless of their practice model and their patients, have access to team-based care. Yeah, I really think the uh, team is important. I grew up in a rural uh, environment on a farm, 
And so we talk about silos, but you're talking about silos in healthcare and we need to break down those silos and not have fragmented care. And quite honestly, there's a lot of work to go around and I have no sibling rivalry. You know, I work with pharmacists and every time a pharmacist calls and I, and I have one that I really like a lot. Yes, Kristen Watt, you know who you are. I ask her for advice all the time because she knows stuff to a greater depth about certain things than I do. And yet you wouldn't want her fixing your broken bone. And, and we all can play a role on that team. Same thing with physiotherapists, EMS, nurses, nurse practitioners, PAs, social workers. I mean, we could go through the whole alphabet of letters of people. And we just need to pull together because we have this huge need and limited resources. But I think if we put ourselves together, uh, we can do this. Absolutely. The second solution I heard coming out of the OCFP was suggesting to improve access of care by increasing the time family doctors spent providing direct patient care. And this this has got to be about the mountain of paperwork. So I'm, I'm going to do a little time travel here. Doodle-doo, doodle-doo, doodle-doo. Picture me back in the early, what was it, 1990 or 91, when I was at my med school interview. I am sure that I did not say when they asked, Ken, why do you want to be a doctor? Because I want to do a mountain of administrative paperwork. I want to spend at least 25% or 19 hours a week doing paperwork. Of course not. I think if we, wouldn't it be great if we had videos of our med school interviews and what we said? Because I'm sure most of us said, because I want to help people, because I want to I want to be involved in, in making the world a better place in some way. And this is how I can contribute. So Talk to me about how the OCFP thinks we can address the mountain of paperwork faced by family physicians. Yeah, uh, it, it really is a mountain of paperwork, and I would fully agree. None of us choose medicine so that we can sit behind a computer screen dealing with, with administrative work. But what's unfortunate is we know, on average, family physicians in Ontario spend over 19 hours per week on administrative work. And when you think about that number, that actually makes up more than 40% of our work week. And for many of us, me included, that means spending hours often in the evenings and weekends outside of our clinical hours, catching up on paperwork. So that's time away from our families, time where we could be doing something different. But we often require that time to manage things like referrals, fill out forms, and, and ultimately to just deal with our inboxes. Now, earlier this fall, the Ontario government did announce a commitment to streamline and simplify many of the forms that that we fill out regularly as family doctors. This is an important step. And so the Ontario College of Family Physicians calls on our government to implement these changes as soon as possible so that we can ultimately help family physicians with that day-to-day workload. But we also know that there's much more that needs to be done to help reduce that administrative burden. So if we could look at eliminating the need for unnecessary sick notes for minor illnesses, that would make a difference. We need to look at streamlining and standardizing insurance forms so that we can complete these forms more efficiently to best support our patients when they need it the most. And then I think a longer term but really important step is for uh, the creation of a centralized referral system in our province so that family physicians don't have to navigate the system independently and rely on our own networks to access specialist care for our patients. As it stands, without that system in place, 
uh, family physicians spend a significant amount of time managing referrals. And it's, it's not time that's well spent when we know we could do things differently. And I will say, quite honestly, this is not the part of our job that brings us joy. And it, it ultimately delays care for our patients when we're chasing referrals. I think there's a couple of examples of centralized referral systems. Um, they're doing that with some of the orthopedic procedures, the hips and knees. And uh, when I refer in London to the cancer clinic, it's a centralized referral system. So there is precedence for this type of system, isn't there? Yeah, we, we certainly are seeing it it pop up. I think ultimately we want to see a, a widespread referral system that's centralized so that all of our specialist referrals are, are managed the same way. And I did date myself when I said mountain of paperwork, and you were kind enough to correct me in, in a gentle way saying screen time and, and it's clicks, right? I, I, you know, I'm thinking of this mountain of paperwork in front of me, but it's, it's an inbox with a number on it that's in the like hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of messages that you're trying to get down to zero. But it really is in the, in the modern age, screen time and clicks that we're spending our time doing. I'm going to put you on the spot. When you went to your med school interview, did you say you wanted to spend 40% of your time on administrative tasks and catch up? nights, weekends, and holidays, sacrificing personal and family time to do those tasks? No, I, I certainly did not. I don't remember a whole lot about that interview, but I know I did not say that. All right. Well, the third solution you brought forward by the OCFP is to ensure that every Ontarian has a family doctor by recruiting, but also retaining. I think that's really important, and maybe that's my bias, more family doctors within the province. I just really like that retention piece. There is an incredible amount of institutional knowledge over the last three years because of, you know, maybe not just because of pandemic, but I certainly nudged people that um, walked away from comprehensive primary care. Um, and we need to keep those people. They have so much wisdom, so much knowledge, so much to offer, and we need to keep them engaged uh, in, in whatever way possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I fully agree with you. And, and I would say I think that recruitment and retention actually go hand in hand. So if we can improve the system for those who are already practicing by supporting them with teams and decreasing the administrative burden, I think this will also help to ensure that family medicine remains attractive so we can recruit more medical students into family medicine and also retain those who are working in the system. Yeah, I'd like to see my colleagues, and some of them are older than me. I'm not the oldest guy, but I realized that I think I'm the second oldest in my department now. And I'm like, when did that happen? But let's have a soft landing. It's not a dichotomous thing. It's not a light switch. Oh, you're a doctor and then you're not practicing. It can be, a, it can be on a spectrum. It can be a soft landing. It can be an easement into it. You know, in my world, it's about how many night shifts do you do? How many weekends? How long are the shifts? How many shifts do you do? And I'm sure there's similar things that can be done in primary care with regards to how many days, how many half days, how many patient hours you do, but you can still contribute. It's not just like, okay, you're done. Yes, I agree with you. Well, we've talked and framed the problem. And, and you used the word crisis a couple of times. And then I got a little upset and depressed and the podcast kind of got morose. But then we started talking about solutions. So hopefully you can hear in my voice, I'm now getting optimistic. So for people that are listening, how could they help? 
Yeah, that's such a, such an important question. So uh, I would say I think the most important thing that your listeners can do is to contact your MPP and tell them that you believe that every Ontarian deserves a family physician. And that's, you know, someone who knows you, who knows your medical history, so that you can ultimately experience the benefits that come with receiving that continuous comprehensive care from a family physician. I think it's so important that our elected officials know that it is important to have someone to quarterback your care so that people don't have to continue to seek care from emergency rooms. And I'd like them to not just do it in Ontario, but across the country. And if you're listening overseas or around the world, you know, if you're struggling with uh, primary care and access to primary care, reach out to the leaders in your area and see if you can advocate or be an ally or an activist with regards to making sure that we want everyone to get appropriate care from the appropriate clinician at the appropriate time. So patients and not patients, but people can have a healthy long life. So uh, do you have any final thoughts on this issue? Yeah, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that family medicine is under enormous strain right now because of that overwhelming administrative burden. And again, the lack of team-based care across this province. So I would say just now is really the time for us to do everything that we can to ensure that family physicians have the supports they need to provide people in Ontario with the care that they deserve. And I will just say, Ken, thank you for your support and advocacy, because I, I, I know it makes a difference. And I would absolutely agree that we are all on team patient and we want our patients to receive the best care possible. Which, which means that we have to be willing to do what it takes to truly address the issues that we are facing in our healthcare system. Yeah, and that, that reminds me of a quote by Tommy Douglas decades ago. Courage, my friend, tis not too late to build a better world. So I want to be part of building that better world. I want to make the world a better place. I want to leave the profession of medicine. Not that I'm retiring. I want to be retained. I want to leave the profession better than when I found it, not worse than when I found it. I I love that. And I love that quote. And, And I think it's really relevant to the challenges that we are dealing with in family medicine. We know we're facing significant issues, but it absolutely is not too late to change course to ensure that family physicians have the supports they need to provide the best care for their patients. Well, thank you very much for coming on this as the president of the OCFP and discussing this. The SGEM will be back next episode doing a structured critical appraisal of a recent publication, trying to cut that knowledge translation window down from over 10 years to less than one year using the power of social media. So patients get the best care based on the best evidence. Well, I have one last task for you. Uh, We talked about numbers. We talked about evidence. We gave logical arguments. Now I'm going to ask you to give the SGEM tagline because we don't want people to believe us ever just because we said so or a logical fallacy of an argument from authority because you're the president of the OCFP. We want people to digest the information, reflect on the information, think about the discussion and come to their own conclusions. So If you wouldn't mind, could you read the SGEM tagline? Remember to be skeptical of anything you learn, even if you heard it on the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Talk to everyone next week.